Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome to another beautiful day in May. It's, in fact, May 20th. And uh, I promised myself that I wouldn't get into too much negativity today because it's just... It's so easy. All you have to do is look at the front page of a newspaper. Um, I think the thing that's got me most uh, just, and again, I'm, I please don't let me go into a rant, as if you could, as if you could. Um, it's the fact that it, it would seem inconceivable that after January 6th and that attack on our seat of government, the U.S. Capitol, that there wouldn't be a full-blown investigation, independent investigation into what happened. Uh, I can't imagine any country in which that wouldn't be the obvious thing that would happen. And these Republicans are, are, are getting more repulsive by the, by the minute. Um, people are looking with some, you know, sense of, oh, wait, wait, stop, stop. With some, stop, 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 stop. Thank you. Um, I'm trying to shut up Congressman Tim Ryan, who, who I do want to, share with with you if you hadn't heard what he said on the House floor uh, prior to the vote on establishment of this commission, which did, of course, pass the House and, in fact, uh, astonishingly, had the votes of 35 uh, Republican members of the House. Well, Mitch McConnell has uh, noted that and stepped up to essentially say, okay, fine. Well, it ain't getting past me. Uh, he continues to, uh, why do I keep thinking that at some point one of these people is going to show that they are not the monsters they are so willing to be, not the extraordinary liars and hypocrites. I, I just can't. Okay, so I just want you to hear some of what, you know, I'll defer to Congressman uh, Ryan, Congressman Tim Ryan. Um, he uh, represents a district in our neighboring state of Ohio, um, I believe he has uh, said that he intends to run, does he not, for the Senate seat being vacated by uh, Senator Rob Portman. I'm, don't quote me on any of that, but I, that's what I'm thinking. Um, and this is part of what, what he said, uh, speaking to his uh, Republican colleagues, uh, yesterday uh before before the vote and and speaking with the incredulity that so many of of us have 
um, when we watch the the goings on. Wait, stop, stop, stop. I'm just sort of going to hit it sort of in the middle here. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. if we're going to take on any anything in this country, two rational political parties, uh, not the sham political party that the Republicans have become. Uh, yeah, you ain't one of them. Wow. Well, I have to tell you that when I saw the front page of the New York Times today, so the first thing that caught my eye was this color picture um, above the fold uh, next to articles, of course, about uh, about the, uh, excuse me, about Israel and about Jews uh, tearing their hair out in, in, in America um, and all of that. And then the Republicans, and there's a picture of Bibi Netanyahu, and the only thing that saves the above the fold of the New York Times today from being just a total bummer is a picture of a bunch of happy young people all dressed in in white, which is their uniform, and they're throwing their hats into a blue sky because they have just uh, graduated from the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. And, you know, it's a picture of such joy and hope and promise. Uh, and thank God for it. And I, I just, I want to tell you, and I, I hope he will um, call and tell us, that at that event yesterday was uh, was one of our um, our, our own are uh, someone who regularly calls and emails this show, uh, Father Joseph. Father Joseph was there because both of his sons graduated. And he, he, I, he stood right next to President Biden, who gave the, who gave the address there. Um, and, a, a smiling President Biden, a smiling Father Joseph, and a smiling two sons. Um, and so that was quite a, a heady, a heady day for, for anybody. Seriously. So I'm just loving that. Really loving it. Is this it? Do I have a, um, oh no. Oh, for God's sakes, get away from me. Boy, am I sick of, of these people who have my uh, 
my cell phone number, it, you know, during the election every two seconds. Hi, this is so-and-so. I'm with so-and-so's campaign. Just checking to see if, and it, you know, every two seconds, and that was another one. I thought it maybe was a caller, and you, you just, it interrupts your life. Anyway, my congratulations to Father Joseph and his family. What a, what a day. Woo-wee. Uh, yeah, oh, Milton, you're right. Tim Ryan, um, I'm right, right? He has declared his candidacy for Portman seat, Ryan has. Well, I'll tell you, he'd be a hell of an improvement. Uh, one wonders if the, uh, the voters of Ohio will, would elect him. I mean, they already improbably have a very liberal Democratic senator in Sherrod Brown. And to have two Democratic liberal senators from what I think of as a red state is pretty strange. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't get. I don't get anything anymore. Okay. I want to share with you something I, I, that I read recently. It, I finished a novel uh, that actually had won the uh, National Book Award last year. It's called Interior Chinatown. And I don't know if you've heard of it. I, I had um, read something about it and thought, sounds like a very interesting book. And the fact that it won that major award, I thought, probably pretty well done, so I'll read it. One of the things I really loved about the book is it's a book you can easily read in a day or two. Tops. Um, you know, it's not something that looks like uh, something so daunting that you don't want to even begin. On top of that, it turns out to be funny. It turns out to be uh, smart as hell about uh, human beings and uh, what drives us, what fears we have. But it is a tale of what it is to be an Asian American. And I bring it up now because Asian Americans have found themselves unhappily uh, in the news as uh, the seemingly latest victims of the racism and hatred that have come uh, unmasked uh, during uh, this Trump era. And... I, one of the things in the book, which isn't funny at all, um, but which is very, very interesting in terms of reminding us of what Asian Americans have endured because of American racism. When we think of American racism, we think of what we did to the black people that are Americans. We don't think about Asians and what they endured, especially Chinese and Japanese Asians. I mean, I'm sort of removing the, the Indians uh, from that. But throughout the novel, this guy... simply does a 
timeline of laws passed in this country specifically intended to keep anyone of Asian distraction, extraction? <laughs> Asian. Oh, man. Yeah, the end of my week. Uh, here it is. Let me just, it really, it's breathtaking, I think. And I don't think this is something that we note as a country, nor are we really taught much. If you were to have asked me, so um, give me an example of uh, racist policies targeting uh, Asian Americans. Um, the one that I think most of us would know about is the internment of Japanese Americans during the war, which was um, wholly in violation of the Constitution of the United States. So we brought Chinese people here to do essentially the same kind of labor that we asked of black people on the backs of black people and Asian people, this country was built. And then we did things like this. 1859, Oregon's constitution is revised to say that no Chinaman can own property. 1879, California's constitution is revised. And listen to this. Ownership of land is limited to aliens of the white race or of African descent. So here the blacks actually get a one-up on the Asians. California in 1879 says that black people can own land, white people can own land, but Asians cannot. 1882, the U.S. Congress passed the Chinese Exclusion Act. No subtlety there. It prohibited any immigration of Chinese people. It's the first law in this country that prevented all members of a specific ethnic or national group from coming into the United States. There's more states passing laws saying they can't own land. Um, 1890, city of San Francisco prohibits Chinese people, whether or not they are U.S. citizens, from working or living in the city. 1892, a federal law requires all Chinese residents to carry a permit, and the failure to carry this permit, punishable by deportation or one year of hard labor. In addition, Chinese people are not allowed to bear witness in an American court. 1920, another federal law decrees that any American woman who marries 
an alien ineligible for citizenship, read Asian, shall cease to be a citizen of the United States herself. So for a woman to marry a, an Asian, and this law is passed in 1920, she would lose her citizenship. Uh, 1924, another Immigration Act, uh, limits the number of uh, Asians allowed. Uh, no, it, it limits the number of people from various countries. This is where we started doing quotas on what kind of people we wanted and which ones we didn't. And that law of 1924 decided that we didn't want any nation, Asians. It completely prohibited any immigration um, from Asia. And I think one of the things that, and remember, I said this book has a lot of laughs in it, too, One, because it's about stereotyping as well. And it's about what we do to people when you ask them to try to live in a country that does this kind of thing to them and then doesn't even really acknowledge it. Um, and I'll just give you two more. 1943. The Chinese Exclusion Act is finally repealed. And Chinese in the United States are given the right to become citizens. 1943. Although ethnic Chinese in America are still prohibited from owning property or businesses, and the quota for Chinese immigration to the United States is set at 105 people a year. You know, you know, I don't think you could know an Asian American who hasn't uh, been asked the question uh, by many times by a fellow American. Where, where do you come from? Never thinking that they come from here. There are still Americans, lots of them, whites and blacks, who see an Asian person and they assume they're not American, they're foreign. We, what we see is a foreigner. When we see a black person, we understand, yes, that could be an American for sure. And a white person, yes, that could be an American. An Asian person, we think foreign. And what that does to people, Asians, living here, sometimes for many more generations than my family has been here, this sense of never really being seen as Americans. It's something that Americans, black and white, I don't think think about, nor the particular appalling history of racism against Asian Americans in this country. And the last federal act I'll 
give you with this little history lesson. 1965. Something called the Immigration and Nationality Act is passed. Signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson. And what that law did is abolished, abolished the quota-based formula that had been the basis of U.S. immigration policy since 1921 and finally allowed for Chinese immigrants to enter the country, more than 105 in a year. I recommend the book, Interior Chinatown, uh, Charles Yu, Y-U, uh, the, the author. And it's an eye-opener. It really is. And as I said, a, a delightful, often, read. Very creative. Very. It, 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 it's sort of like if you know the movie The Truman Show. It's sort of like if The Truman Show were a novel. It might be interior Chinatown. Um, what else I got here? Oh, dear. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I saw a quote uh, today from the loathsome uh, governor of uh, Texas. That'd be Greg Abbott. And he and his, uh, he, as the governor, has banned any city or local government of any kind in the state from requiring people to wear masks anywhere. So even, obviously, Abbott said for Texans, you don't have to wear masks anymore. But, you know, cities have said, well, we're not so sure. Uh, we would like people to remain masked in, you know, grocery stores and this and that. And he said, absolutely cannot do. And if you do, we're going to levy fines against you up to $1,000 every time there's a complaint. So that could, you know, amount to a tons and tons of money. And then here's what got me, because Abbott said this. Texans, not government, should decide their best health practices. Yep, that's what Governor Abbott said. The fascinating thing is, literally an hour or two after saying that, he signed into law one of the nation's most restrictive abortion measures, prohibiting Texans, who happen to be women, from deciding their own best health practices. Now, how do you hold those two things? Texans got to be free to decide, to choose, <laughs> when it comes to mask wearing. But when it comes to uh, whether or not to 
bring a child into the world. No, the government decides that one. The Texas laws ex- absolutely destroys Roe v. Wade. It, it sets uh, uh, women um, at the six-week mark. No abortion after the six-week mark. Here's the thing. A woman doesn't even know at six weeks that she's pregnant. So it prohibits any abortion. And it also uh, allows any citizen, get this, allows your neighbor, allows anybody who even doesn't even know you to report you to the authorities if you have in any way aided in a woman terminating a pregnancy. Yeah, but Governor Abbott, why he be, uh, he be all for choice, freedom. A person should have the freedom to choose their own, what their own body is going to, uh, to be subjected to. They don't want a vaccine, they don't have to have a vaccine. They don't want a child, they don't have to have a child. Oops, not that. All right. And then the other thing I do want to talk about, if you'll give me an opportunity, is something I've been thinking. This uh, The Republicans, again, squawking about how there's all these jobs and nobody's taking them and it just shows to go you that uh, we're giving these uh, unemployed people, right, uh, too much. <laughs> we're too generous. <laughs> Such a joke. This is so funny. We're too generous in the unemployment benefits <laughs> we give to people. And so they're not willing to lose those benefits to take a job when the benefits actually sometimes pay them more than a job would. Well, duh. But here's the thing, and here's what I was thinking last week, and then finally uh, David Leonhardt put it all out in, uh, in the New York Times today. I kept thinking, why do Republicans and capitalists always tout the free market as this amazing uh, amazing thing that self-corrects, that takes care of everything. There is no reason for government to come in and start fiddling with it here, there, or anywhere else because it works. It's this simple, perfect system of supply and demand. And the market just figures it all out. Well, here's the thing. The capitalists are squawking that the supply of workers is down. There aren't enough of them. We're not getting workers. I'm putting signs up, help wanted, and nobody's taking the job. Well, okay, what would the free market suggest that you do then? Duh! Offer more! And then, guess what? Someone will take
take that job. You can't coerce people into taking jobs that pay crap if you had a real free market. Incredible. When a company is struggling to find labor, it can obviously solve the problem by offering to pay a higher price for that labor. And then lo and behold, people come and answer your help-wanted ad. And suddenly this so-called labor shortage, which doesn't exist, what it is, what does exist, <clears throat> is an outrageous idea of what labor should be paid in this country. Wages are historically low in this country, while the rich get richer and richer and richer and richer, and why are they getting richer and richer and richer? Because they're starving their own labor. Corporate profits have been rising, you know, off the charts. At the same time, in the, I mean, you know this, and, peop, and people's wages have been going down. So, this moment is a moment that the free market absolutely, I will agree, can handle. Raise. Raise worker compensation. It's as easy as that. Roger, you can come on in. I hear you're on the phone, but I can't, I don't have long because I also have a guest coming in. Hi. Hey, I, I wanted to call in um, about what I emailed to you and Ryan Dito the other morning. Oh, yeah. So what happened? The there wasn't a story there that was a... Well, it, it, I think there is a story. It just wasn't as dramatic. It, it didn't have the consequences as, as the woman I was talking with uh, was worried about. Cause, um, no, usually they have two or three judges who call off sick, cancel, or whatever. She had 90. Yeah. 90. Well, so what was she, that about? Well, she did hear what I said, that, that they were protesting Okay, she heard that. The uh, journalist yeah. going in and wor working on this finds that uh, not quite. So there wasn't well, a I mean, So, so well, yeah, but it's more than a coincidence that it's 90 versus two or three. Come on. Yeah. All right. All right. It's just that what she did, you know, being a primary, it wasn't as crazy at the polls as it was in November. It, it, it was a good primary, but it wasn't as crazy. And and uh, she really scrambled getting people to come in last minute. My wife went out to, uh, she was in um, uh, Shadyside working on a poll. Another friend of mine did one in Bellevue. She was going to ask me to go out to Homestead, uh, but that ended up not being necessary. Um, 
And then she really loaded up on the volunteers to come in at North Park. That's where they called the ballots are brought and counted. And I worked that. Um, and, and she just scrambled and make sure she had people in place. So it didn't have the impact that it could have had. So um, I apologize, Ron, because you know, I sent him an email that night saying it wasn't that bad. But there is something there, I do believe. It just didn't have the consequences. Uh, yeah. that we were concerned okay so but but you had talked I was listening to your show yesterday uh, this morning I listened because I was out on a job site yesterday and I think you were right about the younger progressives are now voting and out yes. there more so than us. I like not to consider myself old but you know I, you know I'm getting up there I'm, I'll be 60 soon and, and that's not old in my world but we are we, we, we do not have that control and, and I'm glad of it that we did in the past. And what I've recognized in my town of Bellevue is the mayors we are voting for are based on just their connections with the Northboro's progressives. Um, we had a very qualified um, man who's a few years older than me who wanted to be mayor. And he, he worked really hard, does a lot. But his problem was, he was a Republican, and just like the the incumbent Republican before him, they were Republicans who voted for you know who, and that was used against them. And so now we've had two mayors, young Democratic progressive mayors, just because they didn't vote for you know who. And I think they're making their voice heard. Um, social media is just brutal they, because they're all over social media, and and it's not nice. Um, but they are out there, and I think gone are the days of the old curmudgeon running for the school board who just says, oh, I don't want to raise taxes, because that used to happen all the time in the Northgate School District. Sure. And, 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 and these younger people are coming in, and, and, yeah. and there's good and bad with it. I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're showing yeah. interest. Well, they've but, got, listen, they're worried about their future, understandably, and I, I, I just really appreciate um, the fact that they've awakened to uh, the, the that they have power if they organize and follow up and do the work. There was, a, I think, a story in the Times today about a a 16 year old girl in Boston or something or outside of Boston who is extraordinarily active and on social media. She looks into the backgrounds of people who are, you know, announce that they're running for something. And she's already taken down a bunch of people before they even are, you know, barely starting a campaign. That's a 16-year-old. I have uh, feelings about that. Well, I know, I know, but there's no going back. Social media for ill or good is uh is what we got and I mean, I mean, much of it let's face it the, the days of Carl Rove really kicked us off okay I mean it got well, I don't know. listen when you want to start uh start blaming people for for what got us to where we are I mean my god you can get tangled in a in a huge maze I just don't. I, I just think people need to keep their heads in the game and be more realistic. And it's just, it is so partisan. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm a liberal. I mean, I am a far left liberal, and I don't like seeing this happen. I really don't. Yeah, I hear you. 
Okay. Thank right. you. Okay, thank bye. you for letting me. I appreciate you. it. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 I'm hoping. Zach, are you there? I'm 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 wondering if my guest is available. Yes, I have a surprise guest behind the curtain. Um so uh Zach, I just need to know if she's if she's there. She's not. What the? What the? Are you kidding me? Can you try calling her number, please? Um, that might help. Jeez, dang it. I had this whole show figured out, and that was going to be my boo 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 at the end. Oh, she's here now. Okay, so let's get into this. Um, this is a story of, uh, of great interest to some people. Uh, in a very real way, uh, and to others in a in a, a less personal uh, way. In a very real way, uh, my guest uh, is reacting to the news of Amazon, you know, my favorite, Amazon uh, wanting to build one of their big distribution centers right where the old Westinghouse uh, plant was, uh, right off the Mm -hmm. parkway, Churchill. Hello, are you there, Kathy? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. This is Kathy Bordner. Yes. uh, Yeah. And you are a resident of Churchill, and uh, you are in opposition, as are many people in the area, to having this West, former Westinghouse site turned into an Amazon distribution center. Um, right. why, first of all, why the opposition? Anyone who knows that track, that's a big hunk of, of land there that's been uh, lying fallow for some time. So uh, why wouldn't you want an Amazon distribution center to fill that up and bring in tax dollars and jobs and all that? Well, uh, Lynn, basically because we do support development of the site, but we feel that it should be appropriate for our community and for the surrounding communities. And when you say, why wouldn't you want an Amazon site to fill it up, that is exactly what's going to happen to that site if this proposal moves forward. This is a one, about 130 acres of land that is in the middle of a residential community. Right. Uh, it is green space. There's uh, the Westinghouse R&D campus was developed paying attention to the site. They didn't just chop the top off of this hill and plop buildings on it with parking lots. They arranged them to work with the topography instead of against it. Whereas this proposal is going to be a uh, 865,000 square foot building. That's going to be the footprint of the building. Uh, It will be four and a half stories, a total of 2.9 million square feet in the facility. It's going to be the equivalent of 14 football fields. That's how big this is. It is huge. 
Uh, they plan on have, they're saying that there will be about 336 semi trucks going in and out of the site daily, in addition to 1,500 employees. And our borough infrastructure will not support that type of traffic. And basically, I don't know if you or your listeners drive in this area very often, but if you do, you probably uh, would realize that I-376 also is already over capacity and adding something like this at this place is going to just mess up traffic so horrifically. Um, Yeah, I was going to say when you were saying about all those trucks, I mean, my gosh. So I was thinking, I guess I won't be going to Monroeville very much. I mean, because it's already a bottleneck there often. Absolutely, and, and this is going to make it much worse. Well, why? Why would? Okay, so who's? How far along is this? Is, I mean, I, I get the often when Amazon wants to go somewhere, there ain't no stopping them. I mean, and and they've got a lot of people on their side always. Um, how far along is this process? Uh, they are at the point. They are presenting this to the Borough's Planning Commission, and the Planning Commission will recommend approval or denial, and then it goes before the Borough Council, and the Borough Council will either uh, approve or deny the application for a conditional permit. And uh, when you say that, you know, usually there's no stopping Amazon, we hear that a lot. But we believe that the communities where Amazon is placing their facilities should have a voice in what they are doing in their communities. And this type of development does not belong in a residential community. And we're, we're not a, against development of the site. We definitely want to see development of the site, but it should be something that will generate our economy, provide jobs, but not destroy this site. Uh, we, we hear a lot that, you know, oh, we have to protect the environment. Well, most of the time what happens is that when you have either protecting the environment or providing jobs, you go for the jobs. And we don't think it should be like that. We don't think that good jobs and saving the environment are mutually exclusive. We think you can do both. And we think that this proposal does not uh, protect our environment. You know, I know that um, area pretty well because I worked for a long time at uh, WTAE Television, and we would, which is near there, and we would often go. I, I know, like Beulah Road and all those, the, the the roads around there. Those are you would. There's no way you can have that kind of Absolutely. traffic. There's no Absolutely. way. So wait yeah. a minute. So are they saying that they're? Would the borough then have to, who's going to build all new roads? I mean, are you going to have like highways where Beulah, sweet little Beulah Road is? I don't understand it. What they're proposing is to build uh, one exit from I-376 going east to the site. Uh, They're calling it a slip ramp where it will come off uh, and the uh, exit to Greensburg Pike. Uh-huh. And uh, so there will be one new access road as a result of this proposal. And all other 
entrance or exits from I-376 will be using what's already there. In other words, to go east, uh, to get on I-376 east, they're either going to have to go down Churchill Road, and you probably have tried to get on to I-376 using that uh, entrance. It's horrible. It's yeah. too short. It, even yeah. people in cars are t- risking their lives. Or yeah. they're going to have to turn left coming out on Beulah and go under the uh, uh, overpass and then turn right onto 22. And, and there's not enough no. room to no. make I, so, wait, so who are these developers that think this is such a – Amazon wants this, right? They're working with yeah. a group called what? Hillcrest or something? Uh, Hillwood, Hillwood Development Hillwood. out of Texas, which was, I, I think it was founded by Ross Perot. Uh, oh, and, and, and that's another thing that really bothers me about this whole thing is that one of the statements that uh, one of our council people said is that, look, this has, this site has been vacant for 20 years and the only one that can do this right is going to be a large developer with deep pockets and the ability to pay for all of the the remediation and uh, road and and all of these major expenses. So we have to have somebody like this do the site. Well, now we just learned in the last week that there's been an application for a grant for $10 million to help cover the, some of the re- remediation. So when they say that the only one who has deep enough pockets to do it is this large developer, well, this large developer is applying for a $10 million grant to help from cover the, the remediation. A grant from whom? Uh, it's called an RACP grant, and it's Redevelopment Assistance Capital Program. Uh, it's through the state of Pennsylvania, and anybody ah, okay, can... okay, all right. So in other words, yes. okay, so the taxpayers of Pennsylvania, it would yes. be our money, right? Yes, um, And I wanted to say that whenever these big guys come in like this, they often don't pay for an awful lot of stuff, and then they don't yeah. pay taxes forever. Right, that, and we we were told that Amazon is not going to ask for tax abatements, you know, that it's not going to be like that. Well, then we learned that actually when they were at the beginning stages of this uh, project, Hillwood did approach the school board and ask for tax abatements, and we were told that the school board said no. So, so they, you know, I understand that it takes a, a ton of money to do something like this, but... I don't think it's right to tell the residents of this community that we have to accept something that we don't like that's going to impact the environment, air quality. It's going to impact kids who go to Woodland Hills High School. But we have to do all of that because the only one who can do do this is this, you know, huge corporation. And Amazon's going to save us all. They're going to provide all these wonderful jobs when really they're going to tear up our roads. They're going to uh, hurt our air quality. They're going to chop the top off of that site. And they're going to remove over 1,000 mature, healthy trees. Okay, well, right there, that's the end for me. Are you kidding me? 
They're going to no, one thousand well, trees. You know what? I, I'm wrong. It's not one thousand. Actually, we think it's going to be more like one thousand four hundred. And these but, trees are currently helping with air quality. They're helping sure. with storm one. With we can't. We, I'm sorry. This is makes me crazy. How people chop down one tree, I go nuts. Um, okay, and so we can have this concrete monstrosity uh, employing how many people are going to be in that building? Uh, 1,500 and uh, seasonally, during some times of the year, it will be more. Yes, yes. So this is a distribution center meeting. This is where products are packed up and put on into trucks or... Or what? I, I, I is this like I, I believe I there's a lot I don't know, but I think that this is not the type of facility that's going to load a product into uh, trucks that will deliver to your home. I think it's where uh, products are brought and stored and then uh, redistributed to other Amazon facilities that will be shipping to your home. And, and I, can, I have to tell you, yeah. I, Churchill, because I have friends who live there, is such a bucolic, lovely community. It's it's yeah. lovely. I've always thought it's a beautiful place uh, to live. And Westinghouse obviously figured that out because that, as you said, they had that huge uh, bunch of land and they respected it and they didn't destroy it I, and how anyone could think that that's a good site for Absolutely. such a huge operation is beyond me even the truckers why do they want to get off uh, into that little kind of uh, uh, area they, this should be out off of the turnpike somewhere right it should be in an industrial area, and we're not yeah. trying to force this out of our community and into one of our neighboring communities like uh, Braddock or East Pittsburgh or any of these others. We don't think it should be in any residential area. No. It, and, yeah. and these facilities are creating health problems for people that live near them. There's two, there's two schools across the street from the, the one of the main entrances, uh, Woodland Hills and uh, Pace School, and there's a, a daycare center. And these schools serve children who are in uh, areas where there's already pollution and, uh, and, and air quality problems. And so now we're gonna bring these kids to this school where eight hours a day, they're gonna be in classrooms and out on the practice fields breathing the air that's caused, that's been polluted by over 300 semi-trucks, some of them idling, waiting for their time to get to the dock. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to create, it's just wrong to be, uh, you're absolutely right to, for anyone to consider putting this in an area like this. Uh, something that one of our members has done a lot of research in is, you know, the impact that it's going to have on the students at the school. And again, uh, we're not trying to force this out of our neighborhood and into their their home, home areas. We're trying to force it into an area where it is far from homes and it is far from where people spend 
a lot of time and uh, it's going to foul the air and Kathy, have a can negative I ask, impact on everyone. Okay. So I don't know. What is the, do you know the population of the Churchill? Uh, I think around 3,000. Is that all? Okay. So around 3,000 yeah. people. And from that population of 3,000, you have elected officials. As you said, you have a council. You have, yes, and then from that, you have this planning commission. So those are the people who make that up are living are living amongst you. I yes. I can't imagine the kind of sort of is there are there factions now? Are things getting a little you know rough? It, it's it, it is and it's very uh, very difficult for everyone. I think uh, I I. You know, I, I'm not opposed to our council. They work hard and they spend many hours doing their job and they're not paid. Uh, and I truly appreciate this, but I have a great deal of me and many people in our group are struggling with the process because what we're being told is that our plan, our planning commission or rather our council is the judge. It's a quasi judicial process. And they are going to sit as the judge and make the decision about whether or not to approve this per this conditional use permit. And they have to base it on the criteria in the ordinance. And uh, the attorney for the borough has explained, you know, look at that ordinance and you'll see where the developer has to do these things. They have to do a traffic study. They have to do air quality study all the, these hoops they have to jump through in order to get the council to approve a conditional use permit for the site. And if they meet all of those criteria, then the council has to approve it. Wow. But the so they're saying, that, well, what? wait, wait, wait. So they're saying the council cannot, so nowhere in that ordinance is, or whatever they're going by says that uh, if, the planned development would uh, have a a negative impact on you know traffic and pollution and the enjoyment uh, and would radically alter the 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 community. That none of that is even germane to what they have to. In other words, if if the if this company comes in and checks off, yes, we did a this study and a that study and a this study and a that study. <coughs> then the council has no choice but to give them their permit? That well, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that, Lynn, because actually our ordinance in uh, section 304-31, criteria for approval for a conditional use, will be yeah. approved if and only if it is found to meet the following criteria. And in that criteria, uh, it talks about uh, the proposed use shall not involve any element or cause any condition that may be dangerous, injurious, or noxious to any other property or persons. And oh, shall comply. well, there it is. There, there it is. is. Uh, okay. There, there's what? several other things in this okay. part of the ordinance that it this proposal absolutely does not meet. And so why they're not they're not even talking about this section of the ordinance. All they're talking so are you about saying, Kathy, what I get from you is that as currently constituted, it looks like your borough council 
going to sign off on this? You know, it's we're afraid that that is going to happen. Do you have a do you have a, a you know essentially a head count of of how pe- how many people are on this council? Uh, I believe that there's uh, six, but uh, six? you know we just. We okay. just had a, uh, and, and you, you know, don't we know. Have, I mean, do you have anyone on your side on the council? I don't know because wow. the council is not allowed to uh, give their opinion at this point because oh. they're being told oh. that if they disclose how oh. they uh, that they support it or oppose it, that they are uh, going to. The, the developer would have the right to sue the council for yeah. being prejudicial against well, their Okay, permit. let me tell you. So you got a bunch of volunteer citizens who serve on this council for a community of 3,000 people. And you are up against, and they are up against, all of these lawyers. And they've done this kind of thing time and time again they know how to jump through all of these hoops and they know how to intimidate small town folk like this council seriously yes yes absolutely yeah well and you know what lynn our our council has probably we we have one business in churchill it's a, a gas station. And so they don't hear zoning uh, requests from businesses well, on a, a dear frequent God, basis. You don't have a business in Churchill? There's just, just houses and one gas station. Right. And schools. Good. And churches. And schools. And churches. And that's where. Okay. And, that's where and then you're going to have this 5,000 football field Amazon facility with semi trucks. Um, this is insanity, and this is how, you know, this is how big corporations and, you know, big corporations, Amazon essentially owns the world at this point. You know, you are yeah. battling. I mean, I get, this isn't David and Goliath. This is, wow, God help you. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I oh, hope I that your listeners will go to the uh, Burl website and Look at some of the meetings. It's very well organized in terms of this proposal. It's right at the uh, up front, and you can click on links to past meetings. At the last Zoom meeting for the Planning Commission, there were over 200 people that participated in that Zoom meeting. And at the end of it, the public was given the opportunity to make statements. And there was over an hour of public comments and the vast majority of them were negative. People can go to those meetings online. Uh, the February Planning Commission meeting was where Hillwood presented the uh, current version of their proposal. And at mm-hmm. the end of uh, that meeting, there were public comments. Uh, at every okay. every meeting, the public are commenting about this, so people can see what. Okay, so you um, don't have to be a, a you don't have to live in Churchill to have a chance to speak, you think? You do. You have to be a resident or a taxpayer. Okay, okay. But I want to say this will impact anybody who regularly travels uh, the Parkway East 376. 
if you go Absolutely. to, and I know I do, I live in the, you know, east end of Pittsburgh, and um, this is an extraordinarily bad idea. This is extraordinarily wrong location. And I, I, I give you, um, all, you know, real props for, for fighting this, uh, this battle because you are up against, well, you're up against Amazon and yeah. all their lawyers and your credulous counsel. That's my guess. And it will have a bad effect on your home values. I don't see why yeah. people don't realize that. Good God. Well, anyway, listen, I'm Kathy. I'm out of time. I'm going to have to go. But I, I thank you for uh, for all the work you're doing on this as a good citizen. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Well, thank and you. We have a large group that's working on this. And thank you so much for asking me to be on here. Sure. Uh, we're trying to get the word out. Well, you did today. Thank you. <laughs> thank you thank very you, much. All righty. Uh -huh. Bye-bye. Bye. I, you know, guys, there's a lot of not in my backyard stuff that goes on in this country. This is one that makes perfect sense. My God. Amazon destroyers destroy. Oh, job creators, job creators. I saw somebody say that what we should call a lot of these places that are supposedly job creators, they're poverty exploiters. They get people, they pay people crap for stressful, unbelievably mind-bogglingly numbing jobs, often dangerous jobs too. Talking before about, you know, a labor shortage. There's a labor shortage because our current system does nothing but exploit desperate, poor people. There's no way a facility this huge should be sitting in the middle of all of those homes. It's insane. God. All right, well, just thought I'd do a little local thing. Um, you know, maybe it's not your backyard, but this is the way that corporate America and the powers that be and the developers in cahoots with the pals always get their way. Let's hope in this case it isn't true, but that would be a miracle. Hey, thank you guys. I hope you have a good weekend and, uh, I'll be back, uh, talking at you on, uh, on Monday. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.